Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Back in the jungle, out of the gate, JT here in Southern California. Good to be here, sitting in for Jim as we got a big show lined up today and a lot's happened since I saw you last week at the opening of NBA Free Agency. Welcome in again to the Jim Rome Show. We are brought to you by Rocket Mortgage, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. Wow, I got a lot to get to because last week we were here on Thursday and Friday, and it was probably the best day you could be on the radio in this position with breaking news. We had the breaking news of college football where the Pac-12 literally collapsed in front of us like a Malibu home on stilts that just fell into the water. And I'm back here after the 4th of July and officially to announce the Pac-12 is dead. Uh, thanks to Larry Scott, who put together the worst television deal in the history of sports television. And that's hard to do because there's been some really bad deals in the history of sports television. Trust me on that. So the Pac-12 is dead, and everybody is running for cover now as USC and UCLA got out alive. Right? It's like one of those crazy shows that you see. They're always on La Brea. Whatever the shows are, there's an earthquake. Everybody's running. A tsunami's coming. And UCLA and USC got out, and then the wave crashed on the rest of the Pac-12, and they're finished. So now we'll get into it a little bit later on on who else is going to try to get out of Dodge and try to save themselves by hooking up with the Big 12 and what's going to happen there. I love that topic because there's mass confusion as we speak now. And people in L.A., don't like to be confused. People in the Pac-12 don't like to be confused, and they're embarrassed as we speak. But I want to go back to the big topic, which is still Kevin Durant, as we're sitting here today, and maybe it'll break again. Maybe we'll have breaking Kevin Durant news. Let's go back in the hot tub time machine. As I was wrapping up the show on Thursday, Shams had a Shams bomb. Shams Sarania put out the news that Kevin Durant requested a trade. They're going to roll him out one more time and see if they can get it done. So there's a lot of reports coming out right now. Whoa! 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 Shams bomb! Kevin Durant has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Whoa! Holy! Holy! Shams Sharania, three minutes ago. What a show! This will go down in jungle fill-in history. Sham Sarania, three minutes ago. Kevin Durant has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Oh, I love it. I was just saying to that caller, there's no more role. These guys aren't going to stay together forever. Woo! Oh. All right, so that's how it sounded. That was Thursday. And as I sit here today, the following Wednesday, Kevin Durant has not moved anywhere. And that's what we got to discuss here in the opening as we start off the Jim Rome Show. Why wasn't a deal put in place before the 4th of July? Why wasn't a deal in place yesterday, and what's the holdup? The holdup is the Minnesota deal that brought in Rudy Gobert was so outlandish and so crazy what uh, Utah got in return and what Minnesota had to give up that everybody else who's into Durant pressed pause because Durant is a much better player than Rudy Gobert. So if you look at the package that got Gobert out of Salt Lake and sent him to Minnesota, the rest of the GMs are saying, we're not even going to do that for Kevin Durant. 
So remember that. No one's talking about that on the radio. The fact that Rudy Gobert went first in a blockbuster deal cooled off the Kevin Durant news because no one wants to pay that price again and no one wants to give Brooklyn their entire draft for the next four or five years, including a couple of all-star players. Remember, you start with the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota to play with Carl Anthony Towns, and then they give away the franchise, Minnesota on top of that, and it's Rudy Gobert. That's not Kevin Durant. So Brooklyn now sees what the deal is. That's the minimum of the deal. You want Kevin Durant, you got to do a Rudy Gobert deal plus blank. And everybody around the league saying, we can't do it. It's too late into free agency. We don't have the package to do it. So Kevin Durant is sweating it out right now. He's sweating it out in the Hamptons, or he's sweating it out somewhere in the tri-state area of New York as Kyrie Irving is sitting in Los Angeles pouting, buying multi-million dollar mansions, suggesting that he's not going to go back until a deal is in place. And I find that very interesting because these two individuals, they're a little bit different. Kyrie's got one year left on his deal. Remember, Kyrie Irving, L.A., opted in. He didn't opt out. If Kyrie Irving would have opted out, I'd have no problem with any of this. Kyrie would have had the ability to opt out, and then teams could have figured out how to do a deal. But what happened is Kyrie opted in, and then Kevin Durant and Kyrie weren't talking. They weren't communicating. The Nets didn't do a great job. Anybody hear from Steve Nash? Anybody here? Rit, you talk more on television and radio than Steve Nash does. Where the hell is Steve Nash? Is he in Europe somewhere? (laughs) Where is Nash? No one knows where Nash is. He's supposed to speak up on this. By the way, Steve Nash is useless as a coach in this league because he couldn't control Kyrie Irving, and he's not speaking now in the most important moment in Nets history. He's nowhere to be found. I'll get to Nash a little bit later on. But back to Durant we got to find a landing spot for Durant. It was tough to do last week because it just happened, and you knew it wasn't going to happen, but it didn't happen over the 4th of July. And Kevin Durant, six years ago on the 4th of July, remember in Hampton, in the Hamptons when the Warriors all flew in and he ended up doing that deal? That was on the 4th of July. And how does Durant feel today knowing that the Warriors didn't get on a private jet, fly to see him in the Hamptons, and beg him to come? It's a private jet. Warriors didn't have to do that now because since Durant left, they won a championship. And where are the other teams that are lining up for KD? So I did a show last night in Hollywood on Sirius XM, uh, my nighttime show, and as I was driving back here in Southern California, uh, building the topics for this show, it's really the same thing I did last night. There's one or two camps you're in on Kevin Durant right now. Either you believe that Kevin Durant deserves to sweat it out like I do. All I want to see Durant do is sweat this out. I want this to be very uncomfortable for Kevin Durant because he has four years left on his contract. The most uncomfortable it could be. And then you're in the other camp that you want the best for Kevin Durant and you want him to find a home where he'll be happy. But he wasn't happy at the end in Oklahoma City. He went to the Warriors. Then he went to Brooklyn, and he's not happy in Brooklyn. So good luck with that. Good luck trying to make Kevin Durant happy. No one can. So I think what would happen, best case scenario for me, would be if Kevin Durant got traded to Toronto. I think Toronto has the best pieces to do the deal. Toronto already has the blueprint because they got Kawhi Leonard and won a championship. Remember that? Kawhi Leonard left San Antonio and a dynasty team with Greg Popovich went to Toronto. People scratched their head. He's not going to like it there. He wants to get to L.A. And he eventually did get to L.A., but he got a chip and he won a championship. Would that work out well for Kevin Durant in Toronto? 
I would say no because of the tax rate in Canada, the taxes he'd have to pay in Canada and in the United States, the cold weather, and the fact that you mostly disappear when you go to Toronto. But if he ended up going to Toronto, Adam Silver would get on the phone with TNT and ABC, ESPN, and they'd put more Toronto games on national television. And we'd see Durant, but he'd be out there in a hockey town home of my favorite band, Rush, who I've seen 54 times, only sports talk host in the history of sports radio, to see Rush 54 times. So maybe we can send him with Getty and Alex up to Toronto to the great white north, and he would disappear. So for Durant, I think we should take the gloves off today in the jungle. I really do. You could be a former smack-off champ. I won the first one. You could have entered the smack-off and came in ninth. Or you could just be a regular caller on this. But 800-636-8686. My job last week, sitting in for Jim on Thursday, Friday, was to prepare you in any way I could to go to your 4th of July barbecue and be prepared on this Durant topic. And you probably were. But now we're coming off the 4th of July, and Durant still is not signed. And he's not signed because of the degree of difficulty and what it will take for this deal to go down. And remember, he might have to agree to terms on a deal. If he gets traded to Oklahoma City or if he gets traded to Atlanta or Toronto, he might sit back and go, I'm not going. Because he's that out of control right now. Kevin Durant, I believe as I'm sitting in on the jungle Wednesday, July 6th, is the most confusing athlete in all of sports. A matter of fact, last night, a pretty good topic was, who are the most disloyal athletes in sports today? I don't want to go back 50 years. don't want to go back 30 years. Let me make this distinct. Today, in 2022, who are the athletes that you consider the most disloyal? I got two right out of the gate, but I'm having a tough time filling in the other two. I'll open up with Kevin Durant and Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson just crashed and burned his legacy going to live golf. Not because he went to live golf, but he was the first to go with Greg Norman and he didn't have a script. He wasn't able to read off the script to the 9-11 families and the Saudi money. He wasn't prepared and he just dug a hole and he hasn't been able to come out of it again. But Kevin Durant is so unlikable right now and he's a guy that doesn't want to be unliked. He wants to be happy. He wants fans to like him. And right now, Kevin Durant instantly went from being a really great player, top three in the world, multiple champion, two-time finals MVP, to a dislikable athlete because he's under contract for four more years. Remember, if you're a free agent and you're on your contract year, look at Kyler Murray with Arizona. If you're in a situation where your contract's about to expire, Give you a good example, Darren Waller. I work for the Raiders. He's underpaid at tight end. He's got two more years left on his deal. I think he's the 15th or 16th highest paid tight end. He should be in the top three. He showed up for offseason OTAs. He's a great guy. He's not saying anything negative. And he could hold out. He could demand a trade, and he's not doing it. Kevin Durant is. Ladies and gentlemen, how do we get here with Durant? Why would Durant put himself in this scenario and be sitting here this summer as an unlikable character in a very unlikable sport. The NBA has become very unpopular over the last couple of years. Now, I love it. I love the NBA, but a lot of you out there don't. You have problems with the NBA, with politics, the issues of the game, the pace of the game, the wild three-point shooting, all the craziness with the NBA. I have a problem with load management. 
And I have the biggest problem of all, if, I haven't, uh, if you haven't heard me say this, the biggest problem in the NBA is when guys get hurt, that's no problem. You're injured, you can't play. But instead of coming back from injury, they take two more weeks. They go, I don't need to play. Why do I need to play? I'll take another two more weeks off. I'll be ready for the playoffs. Never in NBA history have we seen that until the last couple of years. So you combine all the things that you don't like about NBA, and then you got a lot of people during a pandemic, and a lot of people with six, $7 gas are going, Kevin Durant's under contract for four more years, and he wants out of his contract? I wish I had a contract like Kevin Durant at work. I wish I had a four-year extension left on my deal at work. I'd behave differently. And now Kevin Durant is that guy. It's really unfortunate because he's a hell of a player. I want to hear from you on this. And where is the landing spot since I last talked to you last week? 800-636-8686. 800-636-8686. Also on Twitter, at JT the Brick at Jim Rome, and we'll read the tweets here on the radio. Now, speaking of Durant, you want a comparison of him as a player? Did you see what Chet Holmgren did last night in NBA Summer League? He had the greatest game in the history of NBA Summer League. And before you say JT relax at Summer League, no. You know how many great players have played in Summer League? The number two pick in the draft scored 23 points and set the NBA Summer League record for blocks and threes in a game. Seven rebounds, four assists, six blocks in 24 minutes to help the Thunder out the Jazz 98-77. to Now, he's a seven-footer from Gonzaga, and he only averaged 14 points and 9.9 rebounds on what could have been the best team in college basketball. Gonzaga, historically, doesn't finish. But I was at the game in Vegas last year when he played a decent game in a game against Duke. With, against Banchero, where it came right down to the wire. And Chet Holmgren really wasn't a factor in that game. He could have been a factor in that game. I was sitting there with my wife watching. It was the hottest ticket in town. It was a T-Mobile arena. It was sold out. It was fantastic to watch Duke and Zaga. And the comparisons are being made this morning to Kevin Durant. And let me tell you, I think they're fair comparisons. Let's go over Kevin Durant versus Chet Holmgren. They're both seven-footers. They both shoot the three. They both have the same body type. They're both as the number two pick overall in Oklahoma City. This is the ultimate comp that you can have, which is a comparable, would be Chet Holmgren to Kevin Durant. They're the same exact guy. Now, I think Durant at that age was just as good, if not better, because I was talking to Garrett about it before the show. I think that Durant was a better pure shooter. But man, Chet Holmgren's pretty damn good. I mean, this guy can knock down shots. We know for a fact that Holmgren's a better defender than Durant because he alters shots and blocks more shots than Kevin Durant. And coming in, they're the second pick overall, and they're cornerstones to a franchise. If you're an Oklahoma City fan and you didn't see the highlights to this game last night and see what happened in NBA Summer League, this kid is amazing. And he didn't go number one, and a lot of people discounted that, said Banchero went one, And Smith went three. What was going to happen here? What was going to happen at number two? And he ended up going number two. And now I think Oklahoma City and all their fans have got to be pretty excited about that. So I love to see Chet Holmgren do well, and he had an unbelievable game. If you want to make a comparison to him, and where do you think he'll start off as his rookie year, rookie of the year? Do you think he'll help this team? And I'm a Knicks fan, right? JT the Brick rhymes with Knicks. Jim gave me that name in 1995, as I was calling in from La Jolla, California. I would always call Jim because I was a passionate Nick fan, 
And that's when the Knicks were great, not good. They couldn't get by the Bulls. But every time the Knicks played, it was a six, seven game series. Patrick Ewing versus the great Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Oak Tree, Charles Oakley. And the Knicks should have won a championship, at least one, and they didn't get it done. I kept calling in. He just says, you're a brick, because it rhymes with the Knicks who were shooting bricks in the NBA Finals when Pat Riley let John Starks continue to shoot threes and bury the Knicks in that game. And as a Knicks fan, it's another guy I wanted, Chet Holmgren. Another guy that I think would have been a great guy for the franchise. And Oklahoma City upgraded their roster as the Knicks traded a pick to Oklahoma City. And now Oklahoma City, in a tiny town in Oklahoma, has got a lot more vibe going, a lot more upside than the New York Knicks, who play at the Mecca in the number one media market. Also, we'll get to college football coming up here in a little bit. we got a good guest list that I'll tell you about coming up. Uh, college football, I, I, I think we nailed it also on Friday. When the news came out on Thursday that USC was going alongside UCLA to the Big Ten, I knew there'd be shock. In Southern California. USC fans don't like to be shocked. They like to look at their 401ks. They like to look on Zillow at their homes in Newport Beach. They like to look at their money. They like to get ready for their yacht and boat trips. And they were confused by what was going to happen here. It took about 24 to 48 hours for USC fans to realize it was the only move and the best deal possible. They had to get out of the back 12 And now they're going to the Big Ten. We talked about weather, the schedule, the loss of rivalries with Stanford and Cal. But as we sit here today, we're wondering what's going to happen to the rest of the Pac-12. Will four more teams get poached, including the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Stanford, and move to the Big 12? If I'm the Big 12, I do that deal tomorrow. But I think the hook, as I wrap up the monologue here, is Notre Dame. I have a message to all the Notre Dame fans here today in the jungle. Stop being arrogant. Stop it. It's over, Notre Dame. You're finished. You are no longer the Notre Dame that you were with the great Tim Brown and the great players that you've had in the past, like Joe Montana. You can be there again, but you cannot do it as an independent. There's not enough money at NBC. I can't believe I'm saying it. The TV deal doesn't matter as much. But here's the key to the fall of Notre Dame. No one needs to watch Notre Dame anymore with the size of the Big Ten and the SEC. If you're sitting around on Saturday and you look at the television schedule of the SEC and the television schedule of the Big Ten, why would you even flip on over to a Notre Dame game? Now, four, five, 10, 15 years ago, that was the case. Notre Dame was as big as all of them, and you'd watch a Notre Dame game on NBC. Now the television deal even surpassed Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's got to make a decision. Hook up with Clemson in the ACC, which would be great, because they play a lot of games in the ACC, especially basketball. That'd be a good fit. If Notre Dame really had the balls in front of touchdown Jesus, can't believe I just said that, they would go to the SEC, and then it would be the drop mic moment of all time. The SEC would walk off with Notre Dame, be the biggest drop the mic moment in sports history. Or Notre Dame could stay naturally in the Midwest and go to the Big Ten, keep the rivalry with USC, put it in conference, play in and around Chicago, Wisconsin, and the Midwest, have some East Coast games, and everybody would be fine with Notre Dame. So I'd like to hear from an honest Notre Dame fan today. Put the arrogance aside and tell me where Notre Dame needs to be. Looking forward to hearing from some of the clones today on Kevin Durant, 
who is the biggest topic still in the NBA, Asham Sarania, reporting from The Athletic that restricted free agent Caleb Martin has agreed to a three-year, $20-plus million deal to return to the Miami Heat. The reason why that is an interesting piece of information today is that if the Heat want to do a deal with Brooklyn, they could trade him. That's a good piece. That's a good player that they sign. Remember, if Miami is going to get him, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the best fit for Kevin Durant's Miami. I think Miami wants Kevin Durant. Uh, Durant would love to go to Miami, play for Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and be there with Jimmy Butler, but they got to give up pieces. And if they got to give up Caleb Martin, Tyler Hero, a bunch of other players and a whole bunch of draft picks, Brooklyn would consider that. If you have to still get going with salary matches, they have a lot of depth. You know, Miami, I think, has more depth. I wouldn't say than the Warriors, but they have more depth maybe than any other team outside of Boston now because Boston did a great job. As I was here last Thursday and Friday and I wrapped up the week, uh, the team that impressed me the most was Philadelphia. I think that the 76ers now with James Harden opting out to do a cap-friendly deal with Philadelphia was very impressive to me. Because now Harden, unlike Durant, is likable again. I liked Durant more than Harden a month ago, a year ago, three years ago. I didn't like Harden because he got fat and he quit on Houston. And then he quit on Brooklyn. But he cleaned it all up. Harden came and cleaned it up beautifully because he went to the most crazy fans in all of sports in Philadelphia, no debate. And he said, I'll take less to get you off my back and win you a championship with Joel Embiid. So as of today, I have Philadelphia and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Not Milwaukee and not Miami. But if Miami gets Kevin Durant, and then I'd have Durant in the Eastern Conference Finals again. And that's why Durant, I think, wants to go to Miami. Because he was led to believe through Kyrie, if he went to Brooklyn, that he'd get to the Eastern Conference Finals and a few NBA Finals. Why wouldn't you? And they had a three-headed monster of Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. That looked to be a favorite in Vegas. It actually was just like some of the delusional Laker fans thought that they were the favorite out West with Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. And now the Lakers can't sign anybody. Literally, they can't sign anybody. Speaking of the Lakers, I'll get to Jeannie Buss's 11 p.m. tweet on Sunday night about Kobe Bryant and I think the message that she sent to LeBron James coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Daryl in Georgia, you're in the jungle. Uh, Thanks for calling in. What's happening, Daryl? Hey, JT, how's it going today? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you. Good. I just wanted to piggyback off of something you brought up about Kevin Durant. I think he's really struggling with the love, like a Steph Curry, uh, like a LeBron James, even though he's a great player. Because if you can remember, Allen Iverson was a killer. Uh, Michael Jordan was a a killer. Kobe Bryant. But he had the the love that they had from the fans. And I really think that uh, Kevin struggles with that. He wants that type of love he's recognized as a great player but i think that uh he uh he has more of a love from Kyrie that he wants from the fan i think that's why he follows Kyrie but he's finding out that Kyrie has a whole different agenda in his way of thinking and Kevin is not that deep but uh i think that's what he struggles with have a yeah, good day JT. Yeah, thank thanks, you. thanks for, for starting us off man got a guy, guy starting us off in georgia as i started in la went to notre dame and crushed them in the midwest and have been beating up on the brooklyn fans a guy from georgia opens up the show as we need to wake up the rest of the country 800-636-8686 he made a really good point 
you no longer can consider Durant. You can consider him a champion. He's a two-time champion. He's an all-time 75th anniversary player. That's pretty good. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He's not a billionaire yet. LeBron James is the only NBA billionaire on type of Michael Jordan who's retired. There's two of them, right, when it comes to that. Michael Jordan as a player now as an owner who played in LeBron James, the next to a billion dollars. Durant could have got to a billion dollars. Let me tell you why. I lived in the Bay Area. I was up there covering the Warriors with his championships. Durant lived up there, and he was really into tech stocks and tech companies. So Durant, on an off day, would go to these tech companies in Silicon Valley, invest in money. Now a lot of those investments have been hit pretty hard here in the market. But Durant's a really sharp guy. And to play in the Bay Area with all the tech money and the business and the venture capital money, it was the perfect fit for him. It really was. He, he's into all of that. He sold his soul to go to Brooklyn because Kyrie was there, and now it completely collapsed underneath him. So where does he go now that he could have that type of fit where he could be happy again? You know, the caller made a pretty good point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Durant doesn't need to be happy again. Maybe Durant needs to turn into a stone-cold killer. Be so pissed off that he let Brooklyn down with four years left demanding a trade, and he goes somewhere, which isn't perfect for him, but a very good team, and then he becomes a killer again. And he becomes that Kevin Durant of four or five years ago. Another thing I think that people are losing track of is Durant is really close to not being the player he used to be. You know, father time's undefeated. I mean, not everybody's going to be Tom Brady and get better and better and better as they get closer to 40. And that's the problem I'm seeing with Durant right now. Durant is running out of time. Fortunately, he's not chasing a ring. He's got two already. He was chasing rings all the way up to Oakland, California, where the Warriors were before San Francisco. Now he doesn't have to chase a ring. He should go to where he's happy. And I think he'll be very unhappy if he goes to Toronto, Sacramento. I mean, I think it would be the most, that'd be the funniest topic in the history of the jungle if we found out that Durant was traded to Sacramento. Wouldn't that be great if he had to go to Sacramento and Sacramento traded 10 first-round picks in one of their players and Durant was just sitting there at a press conference? But Durant wouldn't do that. And Durant would hold out, and he wouldn't go to Sacramento. As we welcome in Rick Hamla, my teammate on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio and NBA Radio. And Rick, good to talk to you, my brother. And what a wild ride it's been in NBA free agency. Let's start with Durant as we extend the story and where you think he'll end up. Well, uh, Brick, it's great to be on the air with you. Um... Where I think he'll end up, I, I think the, uh, the the betting odds in Las Vegas that have the Phoenix Suns as the prohibitive favorites, um, I think that's for a reason. Uh, I, I do believe that Durant ultimately will end up in Phoenix. A uh, couple of reasons here. They've got to find a balance and a compromise between a destination that Kevin Durant wants and a package that the Nets are willing to receive back in return. And Golden State can check some boxes. Toronto can check some boxes. Miami can check some boxes. I mean, that's why these are sort of the top four in for Durant, because all of them are viable, all of them are possible. But the Phoenix scenario, to me, is, uh, is, is going to end up being Durant's next team because, A, it's his primary destination, and they've got a, a, a group of young players that, if I'm running the Brooklyn Nets, I would be excited about. Uh, I'm a big DeAndre Ayton fan. Mm-hmm. I believe that the, the, he shouldn't even be on the market right now. I believe the Suns should have already maxed him out in advance of last season, coming off of the finals performance against Giannis and the Bucks, 
They didn't do that. Uh, he's not going to be a son this next this upcoming year because he wants Max or near Max, and they don't want to give him the money that he wants. So he's got to go somewhere. Uh, Mikel Bridges almost won Defensive Player of the Year. He's a young stud. Uh, Cam Johnson, we don't even know the expanse of his game yet because he's never really been put in a primetime role. He's been obviously a terrific bench player for Phoenix. And then you're talking about five, six, seven draft picks, right? Uh, when you look at uh, the James Harden uh, scenario, the Nets gave up seven first-round draft assets for James Harden. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers gave up seven draft assets for Paul George. So five might not be enough, Brick, for, uh, for, from the Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets, especially when you consider the Utah Jazz just basically got five first-round draft assets from Minnesota for Rudy Gobert. So I think the draft capital thing is is going to go up to the seven or eight range, which is crazy. But uh, but I like that package. I view uh, DeAndre Ayton as a uh, as a an, an annual and perennial 2010 guy. Uh, and we just talked about Mikel Bridges. So ultimately, I think Kevin Durant will be on the Phoenix Suns. But Brick, it's going to take a long time to get there. Rick Kamla joins us from SiriusXM NBA Radio. Great NBA insider. All right, let's go from a Brooklyn perspective if they want to wait this out. They don't like the deal. And there are possibilities and other insiders thinking that he could be there. What happened, in your opinion? You've interviewed Durant. What changed with him? Clearly Kyrie, the lack of communication, where everybody just can't cool the brakes for a little bit, take the rest of the summer off, and then come back and negotiate again and get the band back together in Brooklyn. Do you think that scenario is off the table completely? I do. Uh, and there's reporting that the Nets are willing to go into next season with Durant and Kyrie on the roster. That's all posturing. It's all uh, negotiating through the media. Um, they, they, to me, they have no intention of going into next season uh, with those two players. Now, in terms of what went wrong, Brick, sorry to bring up old stuff. Sorry to bring up COVID. Sorry to bring up the vaccine. But my belief, and this, is, this has been – uh, by the way, there's multiple reports on this. This is not just my belief. This is uh, my belief merged with a lot of intel from the Joe Bardens, the Shams, the Woges, all these people. Um, Kevin Durant did not like how the Nets handled the Kyrie Irving situation at the beginning of last season. Okay, he made the decision not to, and you know all this, Brick. He made the decision not to get vaccinated. Okay, um, we're not going to judge him for that. It just is what it is. Well, the Nets iced him out, Brick. They were at a crossroads. You had a decision, okay, we can either go down this road where we have Kyrie as a part-time player. He's a road-only player because of that rule in New York City uh, where, where performers who are unvaccinated in the home market can't play there. But road unvaccinated players could play in New York, and that rule still to this day makes no sense to me. Again, is what it is. But the Nets made the decision, we're not going to take Kyrie as a road-only player. We're going to ice him out. Bye-bye. Uh, you don't want to get vaccinated. And, uh, and we're in our feelings about it, and we're pissed, and we're going to ice you out, okay? That pissed off Kevin Durant. Now, James Harden on the other side, uh, he didn't want – he wanted Kyrie to get the vax, uh, be there available for all this. And we heard that, obviously, the, the vaccination scenario with Kyrie is one of the reasons he asked out, okay, bye-bye. We're talking about Durant here. Durant and Kyrie are boys. They're brothers. Um, they, 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 they're not fractured. They're, their relationship is not bad. In fact, it's as good as it's always been. So – Kevin wanted Kyrie Irving as a road-only player and would have taken what he could have gotten from Kyrie Irving last year. The Nets decided not to go that way. 
And, and, you know, you can blame Kyrie for the decision not to get the jab, or you can blame the Nets for icing him out. A lot of blame to go around here. Bottom line, that treatment of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant's good friend, dear friend, pissed him off, and he wants out. Uh, Brick, I believe that is the root of this whole thing. If the Nets had made the decision, and at the time on NBA radio, I said that's the way I would go. I'm taking what I can get from Kyrie. A bunch of ball players put me on blast for it. You can't ruin the sanctity of the locker room and all this kind of stuff. Well, Kevin Durant was in that locker room, and they ruined the sanctity of the locker room by icing out uh, Kyrie Irving. So, so th- that decision by the Nets at the beginning of last year, I believe it's why we're at a point where Kevin Durant is asking out. Rick Kamla joins us, NBA Radio, inside the jungle on the Jim Rome Show. So the Warriors, I, let's spend some time on the positivity of the Warriors because Phoenix was better than them in the regular season. They were healthy. They were right at the right time. The chemistry is amazing. They got lottery picks on the bench. They have unbelievable role players. They should lose a few more eventually because they're becoming stars and they can make money. But everybody's chasing the Warriors now. And I didn't see that coming. I thought they'd have a shot to compete, get to the Western Conference Finals. Now they look like a dynasty again. And teams around the league are trying to match up against a team that doesn't have a legendary big. Is this a good moment in NBA history where you got to think outside the box even more in this generation that we're in now with three-point shooters and teams trying to match up with Steph? Who are the teams that you believe are the best to do it this upcoming year? Well, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, to me, Brick, are, uh, are still there. And who knows, right, if Chris Middleton doesn't blow a tire uh, heading into the Boston series. Um, you know, it, he, he obviously hurt that, uh, uh, that leg in the Chicago series. I would have picked Milwaukee to beat Boston in round two if they had Chris Middleton. And I'm not trying to, you know, unpack anything. It just is what it is. Uh, and so we know that injuries pretty much every year determine who wins and does not win a championship. And I think uh, that happened this year. Um, so he's going to be back and healthy. Uh, they've uh, brought back Bobby Portis. They brought in Joe Ingles. Uh, they re-signed a couple of guards uh, in Matthews and, uh, and Javon Carter. I love what Milwaukee has done. Very, like, low-key, under the radar. They're not making any big headlines. We're not talking about them a lot on NBA radio, but uh, the Bucks are right there at that championship table. So are the Boston Celtics, who added Malcolm Brogdon, who's now going to come off their bench. They also added Danilo Gallinari and Brick. I thought their lack of depth. Uh, crushed them in that series against Golden State because they had all that depth. And Boston basically went with a seven-and-a-half-man rotation with uh, Grant Williams, and uh, and obviously got a little bit of, uh, of Peyton Pritchard, and they just weren't deep enough. And we saw their guys, their tongues were hanging out deep in the fourth quarter of a lot of those games. Boston is at the championship table. Clearly Phoenix is, uh, you know, depending on what happens with eight, if they bring back Kevin Durant, Golden State is. Um, and, uh, and Memphis to me, brick, yeah. uh, obviously uh, terrific team. They're going to take a step back this year because uh, Jaron Jackson jr. Just had surgery. He's going to miss four to six months. Uh, you lose DeAnthony Melton, you lose Kyle Anderson. I see Memphis taking a little bit of a step back. Rick Campbell, NBA radio, two minutes to go. Cause you're an animal. I got to tell you, you got two minutes or you'd go <laughs> 15. You're wound up. You're ready to go here in the jungle. Lastly, as a Nick fan, I'm willing to give up Brunson, who we just got Julius Randall and four number ones to get Chet Holmgren after last night. I need <laughs> Chet Holmgren. What was that in NBA summer league? I watched, I saw the highlights. What a statement. I know it's summer league, but wow. Talk about that historic performance. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's an awesome player. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he brings all the tools to the table. They're listing him at seven foot one. He's got handles. He's got vision. He's got dunks. He's got threes. He's got shot blocking. He's got 
the ability to play passing lane, to get out on, on, on runouts. He, he's a do-it-all player. Brick, we, we all really like Chet Holmgren. And I'll just speak for me here. Um, I have body concerns with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the sinewy frame, I'm not sure it's going to hold up over the rigors of 82. Now, OKC basically plays the 50-game season because once they get to the trade deadline uh, uh, in all-star break, uh, they power down and go into tank mode. So he's probably only going to play a 50-game <laughs> season, and that will probably be good for his longevity. But, uh, look, I, I saw that FanDuel uh, changed their odds on who is now the rookie of the year favorite based on last night's performance. Get out of here, man. Paolo Bancaro is the hot shot in this draft. 6'10", 250, robo forward. He can do it all. He's got sizzle. He's got the it factor. He's got the clutch gene. He's got mental toughness. I love Paolo Bancaro. He, to me, is the best player in this draft. And we will get to see him tomorrow night, Brick, going up against Jabari Smith in Las Vegas. And I think he then will break Twitter tomorrow night. But, yeah, it was an impressive performance from Holmgren last night, no doubt about it. Thanks, my brother. I'll be back in Vegas later on tonight and uh, be out at Summer League. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for coming in to the jungle. Good energy. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Brick, you the man. Because we're looking to figure out where Notre Dame could end up going here. Could Notre Dame... Just sit back and spend another year or two as an independent, most likely. But the money train is there now. Uh, Josh has got strong opinions on that. He'll join us here at the bottom of the hour. I didn't get a chance an hour and a half into the show to talk baseball. I am a nervous Yankee. My wife calls me cranky Yankee whenever they lose. I kind of freak out, walk around the block, and they lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates coming off not playing on the 4th of July. Yankees had nothing. Currently in the American League East, the Yankees have a 13-game lead over the Boston Red Sox. And Boston has been playing really well as of late, but they're not picking up any ground on the Yankees. Good example, last night they lose. Red Sox are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 as the Yankees are 6-4. and four. The Rays are 14 games out. Now when it comes to the Yankees as we head to the All-Star break, I think the lead is safe. Growing up as a kid in New York, this was the type of lead that the Red Sox had on the Yankees, and then it was the famous Bucky Dent game, and that changed history forever. So I don't care if it's 10, 11, 12, 13. I think the Yankees, if Joey Gallo continues to strike out, if something happens with their pitching, if something happens on the back end of the bullpen, that Boston or the Blue Jays or the Rays can make it interesting, but I don't think they'll track them down. I think it's safe to say that the Yankees are in a good spot. In the Central, the Twins have a a four-and-a-half game lead over the Guardians. And I really like the way the Guardians are playing. I think the Guardians are going to be in the hunt not only for that division but for the wild card. Uh, White Sox are six-and-a-half games out. I think the White Sox are the most underachieving team in baseball, led by Tony La Russa. The fact that they're 38-41 and and they are 16-23 and at home – is a disaster for them. They are a team that could be a seller here at the trade deadline if they don't turn it around. And out West, even as a Yankee fan, I think Houston's the best team in baseball. I really do. I think Houston has Verlander now going for Cy Young, Altuve, and they got a bunch of Yankee killers. And the Yankees don't have a lot of Astro killers. Yankees don't play great against the Astros. The Astros play great against the Yankees. So Houston has got a 13-and-a-half game lead over the Mariners. They're going to feast on the rest of that division. Mariners, Rangers, Angels, and the Athletics. And I was talking to Garrett Ritt about this. I cannot believe I'm back in Costa Mesa, California, a stone throw away from the Angels. The Angels have lost seven of their last ten, four in a row, and the Angels are 17 games out of first place with Mike Trout. You know, we often talk about the worst contracts in sports. That's one of them. 
Mike Trout getting $400 million to play baseball in Anaheim. No one watches him on TV now unless Otani pitches. How low is that for Mike Trout, who's one of my favorite players of all time? The injuries seem to mount up. He gets weird injuries on his hand, his thumb, his wrist. He sits out games. And now Trout is almost in last place to the Oakland A's, who are drawing 2,000 fans a night. That's what they're doing. The A's are drawn. They're A, the A's AAA team in Las Vegas, the Aviators, have a nicer ballpark and a bigger crowd than they have in Oakland. And Mike Trout's barely as good as the A's. It's really sad to see. Looking forward to seeing Otani and what he does in the All-Star game. Uh, last night, Matt Scherzer pitched, and he pitched a hell of a game. Uh, coming off, uh, you know, coming off the disabled list, and I thought he pitched well. And the Mets have a two and a half game lead over the Braves. Uh, Mets are five and five in their last ten. Milwaukee has a three game lead in the Central over the Cardinals. That's going to be a good race. The Brewers and the Cardinals, and out west, the Dodgers a five and a half game lead over the Padres. Here we go again with the Padres. Padres have lost eight of their last ten, two in a row. And the Padres are a hell of a team, but they can't get out of the way of themselves. And the Dodgers, as the Dodgers seem to be the better team and want to step on their throats going forward. Uh, A couple other points I want to make. If the playoffs started tonight, the wild card would be the Red Sox and the Rays. How about that? Okay, keep an eye on that because both the Red Sox and the Rays can beat the Yankees in the playoffs if they get hot at the right time. So if the playoffs started tonight, it would be the Rays at the Red Sox And in the National League, it would be the Padres at the Braves. And I think that would be a fantastic matchup if we got that. Uh, The Phillies are quietly only three games back as they need Bryce Harper back after he had three pins put in his thumb. And it's going to be a while for him to come back. Uh, 800-636-8686. I'm starting to see here in L.A. as I've been out here, they're running promos on Fox and everywhere for the All-Star game. And this All-Star game, the Home Run Derby, is going to have a lot of pop to it. Otani playing judge in this game. So I think Rob Manford has a big moment coming up here for Major League Baseball. Rob Manford as the commissioner is more tone-deaf than any commissioner in any sport. So he's got a chance now for baseball to really take center stage here at the All-Star game. It's in Los Angeles at Chavez Ravine. The weather's going to be great. It's going to start in the daytime, early sunset. Fans back east are going to be able to see a great weekend out here. It's a pivotal moment for Manfred to get baseball back on top again. And the All-Star game is capable of doing that. A great All-Star game will get baseball right back to where it needs to be. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun coming out here. Also, we have Wimbledon on. We'll tell you about uh, what's going to happen with the Joker Uh, Roger Federer came back for the big anniversary the other day. This is a huge moment for the Joker to win Wimbledon and get back on pace to being the greatest tennis player of all time. If he doesn't win this one and comes up short, it's going to be tough to put him in that category with Federer hurt and Nadal being a great clay court player. So I can't wait to see what happens here down the stretch. And if you're joining us late, last night we saw Chet Holmgren in NBA Summer League play an amazing game. It's considered the greatest Summer League debut in Summer League history. And there's been some great players along the years to play in that game, into that league. Uh, Last night he shined 23 points. He set the NBA Summer League record with... Uh, for blocks and threes in a game, the number two pick overall, as we make the comparison to Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City, the number two pick overall, and where they sit side by side 
as he starts his career here. I'll be at the NBA Summer League coming up here next week, hosting some local radio shows, and I can't wait to see him play and some of the other new players that are coming in. I thought the draft was strong in those first six or seven picks and then a little bit of a drop-off there. But the Warriors and what they're doing in Summer League, Sacramento, what we're seeing in Salt Lake, and Chet Holmgren, I think is really exciting right now. But more exciting is what's going to happen coming up next to the Pac-12. The Buzzards are circling. This is it. By the end of the week or the beginning of next week, reports are four remaining teams could leave the Pac-12 to head to the Big 12. If that happens, it's game, set, and match, and the Pac-12 is done as we know. There's still a few more years that USC is going to play. It's going to start in 2024 with UCLA, but we have a moment right now where everybody on the West Coast, the home of Hollywood, the home of major television, has got to find a way to come to the rescue of that conference. The greatest players who have ever played in the NFL and college football, many of them, played in the Pac-12. And because of Larry Scott's failure as the commissioner, a weak television deal, and all the problems that they've had with teams leaving now to go to other conferences, the Pac-12 is on death's door. And it's a shame because those games under sun-drenched skies in some of the greatest football stadiums of all time, the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl, are going to go away. And now Big Ten's are, Ten teams are going to come and play in those games, and it's going to be make or break. Good night!